once the world was full of wonders, but it belongs to humans now. We creatures have all but disappeared. Demons, vampires and witches, hiding in plain sight, fearful of discovery, ill at ease even with each other. Once again, to A Discovery of Witches, Demons, and Vampires, the podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you, sir? Good. And in the state of Missouri? Good evening. This is Kevin. Kevin, how's it going? A little tired, but not bad. Very good. And in the Canadian province of Alberta? Hey everyone, it's Sean. Hope you're doing well in these very unpleasant times. Indeed, indeed. So uh, today, for folks who are curious, it's February 27th, 2022. Uh, the Discovery of Witches podcast, or better known as the Discovery of Witches, Demons, and Vampires, the podcast, is part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. It's a website that um, talk pop culture, mostly genre things. So horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mystery, grindhouse, art house, foreign films, foreign language films, uh, drive-in theater, cult films, and whatnot. Basically, we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Uh, the network's been around for 11 years, and this is one of the many spinoff podcasts on the network where we specifically discuss and talk about the television series A Discovery of Witches, which uh, is originally a UK uh, production, but is found in various places around various channels, uh, at least in the United States where I'm from. It's on Shudder, AMC Plus, and Sundance Plus, uh, those uh, pay stations, which are, I believe, um, all apps, um, so similar to Netflix, but not as big. Um, so we here uh, been doing this podcast to discuss each episode of the television series, um, which is starring uh, the Australian actress uh, Teresa Palmer, as well as the English actor Matthew Good, among numerous other folk. Uh, the show uh, just wrapped up last week in what we would call a season finale as well as a series finale. So uh, the show is now over and done with. Now, um, it was a three season uh, and then done. Uh, So tonight uh, we have an episode that is just gonna talk about the series as a whole, 
general characters, general arcs. Um, and we'll do some, and we'll do talk about, you know, who's our favorite villain and who's our favorite, uh, miscellaneous character that isn't, um, Diana or Matthew and things of that nature. Best scene, maybe, you know, I mean, we're, we're pretty much going to be winging it. Uh, this week has been pretty, uh, hectic and busy for numerous people on the podcast. And we figured that we would just go at it, um, and see where, uh, our discussions travel us. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we do have some emails. We actually got three emails tonight uh, from some of our listeners. And uh, we're going to read those next, I think. And uh, I guess we can start with uh, you, Barrett. What do we got? We got an email from somebody? Yeah, we have an email from Debbie Ledesma. Um, subject, a Discovery Witches series finale. Hello, Philip, Barrett, Kevin, and Sean. What can I say about the series finale? Wow, I enjoyed it. The ending left me feeling satisfied. I do agree with all of you on the battle. It was too much on being just all Diana. I liked the way they wrapped up the loose ends. To answer some of your questions, Matthew was more seriously injured in the book and took a very long time to recover. He is 1,500 years old. Sarah didn't participate in the battle in the book. She was back in the United States. She ends up with Agatha. In the book, the scion exists. It's called the Bishop de Claremont family. Miriam is not a de Claremont. She's an ally and friend of the family. She could connect with Chris, but her mate died during the Crusades. Philippe had three daughters, Louisa, who's dead, Varen, and Freya. Kit was Chris Marlowe, a historical figure. He was a poet and died by being stabbed at the end of his life. Isabeau, in the book, had a tragic past. When she became a vampire, she was a prisoner for years and repeatedly sexually assaulted until Philippe saved her. So much to say, but this email would end up several pages long. If you have any questions about the book, please feel free to email me before the podcast so maybe I can answer them. On a side note, some other TV series I enjoyed with vampires were Forever Night and Blood Ties. I think all of you would enjoy them if you haven't seen them. Until next week, best wishes, Debbie Ledesma. Right. That's some good information. We'll uh, discuss some of her topics tonight, I'm sure. Um, all right, so let's go to uh, you, Kevin. Yeah, we're going to probably get some repeats here. Um, this is from, okay, I'm, I, even though she told us that we don't have to pronounce her last name, I, I think we really ought to give her credit, but credit's due. And so it's Pamela, let's see, is it uh, Tarajak? That I just pro- to pronounce it. Tar- anyway, Tarjak. Uh, subject, uh, discovery of witches, finale questions. Hi, hello. Uh, you had several questions during the finale of the discovery, which is, and also have a few things that may clarify other conditions for you as well. Miriam, who sired her? No one really knows, but she's not at a Claremont. She's a friend of the family. Her mate, Bertrand was friends with Matthew, both for fighting during the Crusades. Bertrand died, but before he did, he made Miriam swear to look out for Matthew. So she's been with him ever since. Since she is not at a Claremont, she's actually going to be the one to sire Phoebe. Kit's fate. Kit was a demon, and demon's fate have normal lifespans like any other warm bloods of witches and humans. But regardless of the fact he couldn't survive to, into the present day, Kit, who was a real historical person of Christopher Marlowe, 
was stabbed to death in a barroom brawl a few years after Matthew and Diana's departure. It is a well-known death of a very famous playwright who he who should he okay who should he have lived may have competed with William Shakespeare. Uh, three, you keep on talking about the scion, but I think you're having issues understanding what it means. So let's clear up what a scion is. A science is a branch of a family, not a different form of government to replace the congregation. A scion is formed when one branch of a vampire family wants to be semi-independent from his patriarch. Vampire clans are extremely patriarchal, so Matthew would always have to be uh, have Baldwin telling him what to do. At the time, until the very last episode, that was untenable for Matthew and Diana. Fernando suggested a scion because he and Hugh did it in the in the 1300s. So Matthew and Diana could live semi-independently away from the ball from from Baldwin's patri patriarchy. They, they were not trying to form another quote creature government unquote. In the books, it's a little easier to understand as Baldwin is not the only surviving child of Philippe. He has three sisters who have survived until the present day and also have and also some children. So having a, having the having a few more family members shows a little more clear uh, clearly the patriarchal structure of the, Cla the Claremont family and the mechanics of forming a scion to be semi independent from it. Four, the wish for more episodes and a behind the scenes look with the tattoo parlor. The third season was originally supposed to be eight episodes, but the production company or whomever was giving them the money had to take a, uh, the episode countdown one to seven. Uh, they had to take the budget for that eighth episode and reassign it to the COVID testing department. The show originally did shoot on location in Oxford and a castle north of Italy, which served as set tours. But when COVID hit, they were told to uh, they were told no more location shoots, so they had to rebuild everything on set. Five vampire lore. You were wondering if they have a soul. Yes, they do. Matthew is still a practicing Catholic. Actually, at the very end of the series, while Matthew and Diana are are dancing with the family surrounding them, surrounding them, the ghost of Philippe shows up in the background along with them. In the books, Philippe's ghost hangs out at the castle and talks to Diana in book three, and in the further book, Times uh, the further book, uh, Times Convert. So the mere presence of him being a ghost tells is telling us that vampires do have souls. I hope this cleared things up a bit. By the way, if you don't want to attempt my last name, and if you're reading this on air, don't worry, it's a hard one to pronounce. I know, but I did it anyway. Yes, and you did well too. You can pronounce thank the you. the Spanish name, yeah, not the Spanish, the, yeah, the, uh, not the Spanish, the, the Slavic names. Slavic anyway, names. Uh, thank you about this. I mean, I know, yeah, it seems like in this series that the vampires do have a soul, um, you know, because I mean, I can't imagine somebody not having a soul practicing any form of religion, um, and I forgot, and, and again, I know we mentioned it earlier. But yeah, thank you for let it reminding us that Kit was a demon. Um, for some reason, I thought he was a vampire, but so that answers that question. And I also appreciate that she lets us know that um, that it was um, Miriam who sired Phoebe. Right, and and I wonder if that did that is assumed that 
Phoebe is going to be sired or because again in this show that doesn't happen right the show ends before Phoebe is sired so I assume maybe it must have mentioned it in the book that she was sired that's that's well, I mean you could probably guess that she is because the trouble's all over right right all right sounds good but yeah I assume that would have been part of episode eight had they they gone that one extra episode as, as they were planning because uh they talk about it where marcus says that or, or someone says that we can't sorry you or some, something someone said that and but again it would make sense that if she does get sorry that miriam uh would if she's not a the claremont All right well um what was it uh uh, Marcus said he can't sire her because well, she she well Marcus said she could not be sired because he was afraid he have to go into hiding, and he said I have if if this all doesn't go well and if and if he goes into hiding he says I have no idea when I'll be able to get out, right. you know which is kind of weird considering the fact she says hey I'll go with you and if she's willing to go with him, you know kind of makes you wonder if that's this actually siring her probably would have been all right because they would have been, you know, together for that whole time and they would have been able to wait together. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, all right. Sounds good. So uh, we'll probably get into some of that um, tonight. And then uh, Mr. Sean, we have an email. Yes, from Lila Colmoose. I hope I pronounced her last name correctly. If I not, I did not, I apologize. Um, she's got uh, some information for us. Greetings. I will try to answer some of your questions. There is so much more to the story that couldn't be included since the season was limited to seven episodes. Blame it on COVID and on how much they were allowed to spend. Uh, these vampires are from a different lore than other vampires. They breathe, they have a heartbeat, and in special circumstances can produce natural children. Their vampirism is caused by a forced genetic mutation, and these three creature groups belong to another branch of the human evolutionary tree. Think of them like different races within a species. That was the meaning of that tree at the congregation meeting. Uh, once made, vampires experience up to five years of vampire infancy. During this time, they are under the close supervision of their maker or another powerful member of their family while growing accustomed to their new talents and abilities. Matthew had sired Benjamin and then renounced and abandoned him, expecting him not to survive. There was also a handful of other characters in the story that were Brightborns, like Philip and Rebecca Bishop de Claremont. Uh, Brightborns have a longer life expectancy. One of these was the witch on the congregation that replaced Knox. When she outed herself, it helped confirm what Diana was trying to tell the congregation, but was what was all in the Book of Life. This was both Matthew and Diana's story, and he did remain the head of the Bishop de Claremont scion. Marcus could sire Phoebe. Um, Philippe was Isabeau's sire after all. Of course, there was the risk of passing on blood rage. I suppose that they could do the genetic testing to check for the demon uh, gene, but it would be much easier to have another vampire sire her. Spoiler, Miriam sires Phoebe in the book Times Convert. So again, as mentioned earlier, 
Vampire Ages. Philippe's date of birth and rebirth are unknown, but he originated in ancient Greece. He died as a result of injuries sustained at the death camps of Nazi Germany during World War II. Isabeau's uh, rebirth is unknown. She was rescued from captivity um, by Philippe a long time ago. Matthew was uh, reborn in 537 AD. Uh, he was a carpenter and stonemason. He had taken his own life because of his despair and guilt over the sudden death of his wife and son, Isabeau, it intervened. Baldwin rebirth is 52 BC. He was a soldier in the Roman Empire at the time he was reborn. Galloglass rebirth unknown he is of norse uh, gale or gallic or gaelic sorry ancestry um fernando uh, is his rebirth is unknown he is portuguese D domenico is rebirth unknown benjamin was born in 1075 ad was a german crusader in 1096 so the first crusade um Gilbert was a rebirth with 740 AD. He was also known as Pope Sylvester II in the 10th century. Marcus Whitmore, uh, born 1757 in Massachusetts and reborn 1781. Uh, he was a surgeon's assistant in the Continental Army and was dying of a fever when a French soldier, Matthew, offered him a new life. Uh, Miriam Shepard is rebirth unknown. She is not a de Claremont. Her deceased husband was very close friend of Matthew's. Um, and, and then uh, repeating the information with Christopher uh, Kit Marlowe was a human historical figure who died in 1593. Uh, it is disappointing that the final battle at uh, Chelm was omitted. In the book, Satu had already been spellbound by Diana in Venice. Knox did not go crazy and died the same way by Diana's hand at Chelm. Um, and Benjamin did not quite or did not die quite so fast. Matthew was severely injured and near death when he was rescued. Uh, sorry this got so long. The info is obtained from the World of All Souls, the complete guide to a disco discovery of witches. Thank you, Lila. Right, so um, that's a lot of good um, information that that was left out, or, or could it couldn't be explained fully on a television series or, or any um, visual media. So uh, that's good to hear that. Um, obviously, uh, that answered my question. The very last email um, by Lila, which said that in the book, uh, Miriam actually uh, did sire. Um, TV. Um, so that answers that. But they just, I guess, stopped the, the TV series uh, where it was, and, and they didn't show that happen in the TV series. Um, all right. So um, that's the email. So I guess we can get into various other things. Um, uh, first off, I think this may be the, the last episode of this podcast. Um, it looks like our interview um that we were trying to get uh fell through um but we were uh uh we probably we, we had a window and we didn't uh grab that window in time and and uh therefore uh it appears that it's uh isn't going to work out um but uh we do have some stuff to discuss tonight um so anyone want to just throw out something first before we start doing stuff like favorite characters and all that stuff favorite bad guy yeah, all right, all right. I want to hear what that. everyone's is. <laughs> my favorite is, they all got kind of turded in the end, but my favorite is Benjamin, just because of 
how long he's harbored his uh, hatred and what he went, the lengths he went to to uh, get Matthew. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, what about you, Kevin? Well, I mean, first I want to say, I mean, it's so. If if I heard that last uh, note right, um, Jabo was a pope. Jabir, yeah, Jabir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what it seems. Yeah, in real life, right? The character. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I I thought that was quite interesting. Um, you know, Pope, <laughs> and uh, I I mean, in some ways, I I kind of admired him. I didn't admire. I mean, he was kind of. I guess he was the bad guy that that annoyed me the least. Uh, that irritated me the least. Because uh, I have to admit, Knox was driving me nuts. I really did not like him. So when he got his, I, I rejoiced. Um, and I think it's just when when uh, Jaber essentially lost, you know, lost the game, if you will. He just kind of, looks like he, he fl- faded into oblivion. It's like, you're no, no you're no longer relevant it's like oh okay yeah and that was kind of fitting for him really and the thing is though is that with him he really did he did a lot kind of behind the scenes he really he wasn't like Knox he wasn't like Knox especially after he lost his position on the attack he was orchestrating stuff from behind the scenes and so when he when he lost, it's it's not like a lot of people really would have noticed. Yeah, that's true. You know, and I still remember when he said, I've been planning this for hundreds of years. And for planning this for hundreds of years, only to fall, you know, fall apart just like that. It's almost public justice. Indeed. Um, yeah, for me, um, I'm thinking um, I'm going to be a little bit different than, than Kevin, and I'm actually going to go with Knox. Um, and the reason for it is um, I felt his character was developed the best out of the, the villains. I mean, he had a lot of screen time, especially in season one. And um, his behavior, which... Um, kind of reminded me of the same character the actor played on game of thrones but he's he's very um rough and rash uh but he's smart um and i liked how his strength and power after he finally gets um i guess politically beaten that when he is removed from the council, uh, the actor um, played the roles really well in the sense that it was a 180 from the cocky, strong, uh, smart person we saw, especially in season one and early season three. And then by the end, he was... um, similar to like a guy that you would that you once knew that was strong and all that and then you knock on his door uh and you find out that he's been fired he hasn't he's 
not shaven. He has a whiskey bottle in his hand and he's woe is me. And um, so I, I felt the actor really portrayed that change um, fantastically. Um, so the character I felt out of all the villains seemed to have the best growth or loss, uh, depending on how you want to look at his outcome, uh, which made me um, enjoy his villainous take more so than the rest. And, and he, he was very unhinged and I, I like my, and it's kind of sociopathic and I, I kind of like my um, sociopathic villains on TV or movies because they're kind of curious uh, just as, as people. And uh, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed his, his portrayal of uh, Knox. Yeah, I got to uh, agree. You... Yeah. No, I just want oh, to say, ahead. I got to agree with you somewhat. Um, it's a, it was a toss up for me between Benjamin and Knox. I think his arc, Knox's arc is definitely the best arc through the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I felt too. Um, all right. Let's go with you, uh, Sean. Uh, well, I'm going to kind of echo Kevin because for me, Jaber was the most insidious of all the evil. Like you had different types of evil with each of the, di- the different villains, but because Jaber's was so maniacal and, you know, all about machinations that like, it seemed his was the most insidious and out of the people that we saw his result was the I guess the least unsatisfying because <laughs> you you know you Benjamin's gone Knox got offed um, Satu's spellbound but Jaber just basically the only punishment is his plan didn't work that we know of so that would like is kind of what I was thinking but uh, I think overall as a villain I I appreciated him the most so. And then I was going to have my quasi-villain villain of the series was Matthew <laughs> for all of his bad decisions, starting with creating Benjamin and letting Benjamin run amok. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, we had some uh, really good discussions on Matthew uh, this season and, and some of his uh, backstory that um, made us question um, him as as a more of a anti-hero than than actually a, a true protagonist. All right, so that's good. It that was a good round. Um, since we're we're on that route, and Barrett started a good good uh, round of things to do. Uh, what about your favorite um, character that wasn't Diana or Matthew? I don't think any of us would choose Matthew anyway. Um, but Diana was obviously the the lead, so she's an easy one to think of. But what about out of all the other supporting characters, who was your favorite? Uh, let's go with you, Sean. We'll start with you this time. Uh, oh, that's a good question because I have a couple of characters that I liked for different mm-hmm. reasons. I'd probably say Marcus is probably my most favorite character because he seems to be the most balanced and level-headed of the characters, and like for me, the most likable. Um, but I would also say that I liked like the character Fernando for what he offered in his role. Gallo Glass was good in his role. And uh, even for the one episode that Timothy's character was in, was done very well too. So, But I think overall my most favorite character would be Marcus. Yeah, all right. That's, that's not bad. Um, what about you, Kevin? Gallo, yeah, Gallo Glass. 
Um, he was, I mean, he was committed, loyal, um, you know, definitely uh, someone you can trust, you know, good friend, you know, because he wasn't just a servant. He was a friend. He was someone who they truly cared about. Uh, and the fact that, I mean, he committed to essentially watching over Diana for, or, well, committed to, you know, hundreds of years ago to, to watch over Diana when, you know, before she was even born. And then when she was born, he just kind of was that, that watcher, that guardian for her for, you know, most of her life until, until you know, until she came back from uh, the Middle Ages. You know, I, I got to confess, I got to confess, I mean, she did actually Renaissance, just Elizabethan, um, you know, and he, like I said, he just seemed to have this way about him that even though he really loved Diana and he knew he couldn't have her, he couldn't be with her. He, he still kept on because he, because he still had a, a kind of like a brotherly love for the other members, other members of the family, like Marcus, like, uh, like Matthew. Yeah, all right, that sounds good. Um, yeah, for me, uh, um, yeah, there's a few characters I, I liked a lot. Um, I liked Domenico a whole lot, but he just didn't have enough screen time to really blow me away from the choice that I'm, I am going to make. Um, and Miriam is another one as well, especially uh, after seeing her in that miniskirt in the last episode. Um, but on a serious note, uh, the character that, that had a really great storyline and uh, had a lot of screen time and was really well developed and had to make a lot of tough decisions and whatnot, uh, I have to say, and, and as the joke that I said in uh, an earlier episode of this season, uh, Team Baldwin. Um, especially this season, series season three or series three, as the Brits call it, um, the new actor Peter McDonald, who played Baldwin, I, I thought his performance was fantastic. Um, he uh, played the role um, where you know you didn't know whether you should hate him or not, but I think Matthew's uh, strange um, storyline this season allowed Baldwin's character to be more sympathetic because if, if Matthew wasn't as the, the rash jackass that he was in this season, I would see everybody not liking Baldwin. Um, but based off of the, um, the rashness of the whole, the whole group of the Sion and the Declaremonts and all that uh, made me, I uh, think Baldwin was, was, was solid as a rock and uh, pretty much right. On, on, on almost everything and as new information appeared in front of him he used that information wisely to say okay um you know it wasn't black and white to him you know he, he was willing to come to the middle or change positions when new information appeared in front of him that showed him that maybe the original uh vote or opinion or political aspect of his personality um the initial just wasn't the right one. And so he was willing to change as required. And of course he became a, uh, a hero uh, among many of the characters in season three. So uh, Baldwin, 
uh, by far was my, my favorite supporting character. Uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Man, it's a really hard one because um, there are several that I really like, but I think I'm going to have to go with Marcus like Sean. I just, uh, I really like his solidness, his, his character's solidness. And uh, I thought he had a good arc throughout the whole show. And he, as the show progresses, he becomes stronger and stronger um, and taking over and taking over the nights and all that. So he's very instrumental to a lot of things that occur. Right, right. And when 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 did you uh, decide that he was your character? Um, I liked him early on, so in the first season. But there were, you know, other. I really like Baldwin too. Um, he's probably my second favorite. And then oh, what's his name? The um, the priest guy. I don't know why I can't think of it right now. The the one that yeah. watches Jack Hubbard Hubbard Hubbard. He's way up there too. So all three of them are, were are my three main side characters. Galaglass didn't have enough screen time. I really like him, but as far as screen time, I just don't think he had enough for to pull off my favorite side character. Can yeah, I add that's two a more? Good oh yeah, go yeah, go ahead. Sorry, because my brain isn't working, obviously. But uh, <laughs> I was gonna. I was also thinking about Domenico because I really did like how he was throughout the the series. I wish he had had more time, but I enjoyed what he was given. And I thought he would have been a really interesting character to follow further. So I would go with him. And then like Barrett mentioned Hubbard, because Hubbard was like such a great, you know, the almost, you know, we're swerving you that this guy is this one way with all these red herring kind of things. And then you find out, oh no, this guy's like really solid. And like, aside from Galloglass, probably the most loyal person that they had interactions with in the series. Well, and so. I kind of put Domenico with Galloglass for the amount of screen time. He gets a little more than Galloglass, but his effect on the show is more than Galloglass's because really in the end, he, he makes sure J- Jaber is ousted. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt and add that's what I... <laughs> Uh, that, that, that was an interruption at all. That was a good interjection. Um, and I wanted to interject too and, and say, yeah, Hubbard. Um, yeah, he, that's the thing is that um, Hub is a great choice. Uh, it's just unfortunate that, that he disappeared after giving the piece um, of the, the book. And uh, I know we talked about um, after that, we were ho- hoping that he would make an appearance in the finale, which uh, unfortunately he didn't. Um, I guess his influence really really only extended in London, so he didn't really, I mean, you would think that would make his influence stronger than it seemed, but I guess not. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a a fair point as well. Um, All right. Sounds good. Um, All right. What what other things did we want to talk about or or best of, worst of? uh, Yeah. What about uh, worst? character who did, who did you dislike the most out of any character whether it's a villain or not i mean um just you know for whatever reason just the, the character itself it's their story arc um whatever any, anybody it's i, was, I think it's for me it's Knox. Okay, explain uh, i well this was this was a guy who would 
Well, essentially, I mean, wasn't it he'd kill to, to get his way? He did kill to get his to try to try to get his power back or just to get his way. He's you know, he, he goes on about um I mean he's a hypocrite, uh, for for the most part. I mean he's given uh people a hard time for for killing people, but then they say, Well, you just killed a witch, but he, he refused to see the hypocrisy in that. Um now he got so de- I, I I think it's just after a while he was he was just getting under my skin. I mean it's the best way I could describe this is whenever he'd show up, it's like, oh now what? What's he gonna do now? Right. And uh, and that's does those are some fair fair observations as well. Um, Mine is that too. <laughs> I think that she just it's partly because of how she went out in the end. Um, because she totally got just annihilated. She had no no chance at all. Whereas Knox at least seemed to take a little bit of difficulty and a pre-prepared spell to annihilate him. Satu just had no no chance. And I just feel like that totally dismissed her character and everything she did, basically. How did she ever get anything done? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I wasn't too fond of her either, but I mean... Her like Knox, I saw were were necessary to the story because you needed that that really nasty person, right? You know, you but really, their evil was so small that they weren't really able to succeed. Tattoo, <laughs> most of all. I mean, Knox at least was successful, and he actually caused more heartache. Now, Tattoo yeah. did get Diana and was able to torture her, but again, that almost made Diana more powerful. So, oh, yeah, because, I mean, the thing is, I mean, you're right, because, I mean, Satu tortured Diana, but Diana barely did anything. I mean, she was coming off of, uh, like, well, she wasn't coming off of it, but, I mean, she was, you know, she really wasn't realizing her powers very much. I mean, I think it was in, was it in early, so it was late series one, she was reading, she was going through, like, book of spells for little witches or something like that it's like a kid's book like a kindergartner's book for witches you know okay you know and she and they're kind of looking at that book she says hey i gotta i mean her the whole i remember the dialogue with her and 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 all that they're looking at this book says look i gotta start somewhere you know and and the thing and this is kind of a praise for diana is that she was humbled enough to realize hey you know if i have to start a kindergarten i'm going to have to start a kindergarten you know but i'm sure she was hoping she was going to be a fast learner and she was and i think that's the problem with with satu with her was that she massively underestimated diana cuz i think she thought okay diana it did become a weaver but she did not know how strong of a weaver uh diana became you know it's like you say oh it, it, like i was joking earlier would diana would look at set two and say oh you only have one weave how cute you know where she had like what all 10 so right. you know so i mean set two did not realize that she was way out of her depth when she confronted diana again the thing is is that if Satu had been paying attention, or Satu would have been at least halfway decent to her, then yeah, they could have been allies. But and Satu was always try, trying to fulfill some prophecy 
you know, she wanted to be the, the one to fulfill the prophecy where pretty much she wasn't. Yeah. She uh, wasn't what? even close. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, the, funny part, the funny part is, is that did we ever really see, I mean, other, apart from that time, well, essentially Satu was a bully. Because she picked on, I mean, it, well, she tortured, but I mean, in, in, in an extreme sense, she picked on Diana, who really wasn't that strong when compared to Satu, you know, because Satu had been training in, in, you know, in the craft for, you know, pretty much all of her life. And then she's, so she's, punt, you know, pushing around Diana. Um, I mean that's a that's what a bully would do would push around someone who's 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 obviously weaker than them, and this is one of those stories where the the one bullied gets strong is able to fight back and defeat the bully. I mean those are great stories if you really think about it. Those are you know you just have to make sure that the one bully doesn't become a bully themselves, which Diana does not. So yes, I'm praising Diana again. Right. Well, well, yeah. I mean, Satu's character. I mean, out of all the characters on on the show, and you know, we we know some of the villains like Knox and, and stuff uh, did some pretty bad stuff, including killing people. Um, Satu's torturing of Diana was just so sickening that, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I hated her character, but but. Um, then when she, her fate wasn't what I had hoped, which was elimination, um, because, you know, if they had no problems killing Knox and Diana had no problems that Knox got killed, I, I it was kind of weird that um, Satu's fate was less than Knox. Um, I know Knox technically murdered at least three people, uh, but we know Satu has at least killed one uh, at the very beginning with that fire. Yeah. yeah. So, and, 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 you know, I, I don't know. I just, I just felt, um, he didn't pick her cause she was nice. Right. <laughs> no, no, he, he didn't pick her cause she's nice. That's for sure. Now that, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that's the character that I would choose as a character. I hated the most. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. But, but I, I see where you're getting, where you're coming from too. Um, all right. So we did you Barrett and we did you Kevin, right? Yep. Um, yep. So I'm going to do a controversial choice, a very controversial choice. Um, I don't like Marcus. Um, I felt his storyline was very soap opery, and he was too one uh, shade. Um, there was he had he didn't really have like major str- struggles, and and again this may be my forgetting because again it's been three seasons, but. Unlike Matthew and Diana and all these other characters, Baldwin and on and on, he, he seemed like he was just a one note the entire time. And, and again, you know, that's that's possible. A person could be that way. Um, but he just seemed too much of um, the goody two shoes without struggling. And, and I know, you know, Kevin, who's a born again Christian, you know, if you read where Jesus is on the... Um, the mountain and 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 devil comes to him and tempts them and on and on and and so even jesus had to listen to that crap but to get away from <laughs> religious stuff to get away from religious stuff um 
Marcus just seemed like I don't know. Yeah, and and then his his love story with Phoebe just felt cheesy to me. It was I just felt like I was watching some crappy teen drama from from the 1990s or something. So I, I just I just didn't like the character. You make a really good point, and I think I've reversed myself. Now I think I'm going to say that Baldwin is my favorite, or Hubbard <laughs> for my favorite. All right, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that, those guys were were awesome. So, so yeah. Um, I didn't mean to to well, influence anybody, I, but well, you did by your very argument. It was perfect. Fair enough. I, I, you have you have a good argument, but at the same time, I mean, I still have a lot of respect for, um, you know, for Marcus because I mean, I think he was he was just trying to get through. Well, he's, I mean, he's trying to get through everything. He's trying to, he's trying to figure out the, the blood rage. He's trying to, he's, he has to put up with Matthew and he has, he's trying to, you know, first he, he, you know, he supports Matthew, but then when we, when we find out that Matthew killed a whole bunch of his, of the people of that uh, Marcus sired, you know, Marcus still kind of put up with it, but you can tell there was still that little bit of bitterness until, Matthew came clean and pretty much said, yeah, okay, I remember each and every single one. And finally, Marcus said, okay, now I forgive you. You know, so it's, I don't know. I, I, I did not dislike Marcus at all. I thought he was all right. I think he was a good supporting character. I thought he was a good supporting character. He was supportive of Matthew and Diana. I mean, he, he really didn't seem to object to Diana from the beginning. I mean, he was like right there supporting it because I think he even saw that getting you know, missing of the races wasn't such a bad thing. And especially oh, and when he fell in love with a normal with a with a human with a normal human woman that he was, you know, realizing he, he realized that, you know, maybe mixing wasn't such a bad thing. Well, and, and that I think you actually helped me uh support my argument by saying that because again he supported the whole thing with diana so quickly without um thinking about it and again you know again that's well, that's well, are you that's, sure he didn't think about it are you sure that maybe this well, the, is the, just this just revealed some inner belief in him so that when diana came along he says hey good that this is a good thing you know i mean he, it wasn't like he he was he may have been skeptical of everything in the first place, and he was just doing stuff with math just because he was he was in, you know, they were working together, you know. But he still, but he, but we never really hear of any of his po- quote political unquote views until really Diana comes along, and then maybe the reason why he was so quick to support Diana is because he already had that belief in him. It's just Diana coming along brought it out of him. But we yeah, as viewers don't know that. Well, no, but I'm conjecturing. I know, but that's we're going off why Phil doesn't like him and what he sees in the shows does not support that necessarily. Yeah, and again, I'm not trying to convince you, Kevin, or anybody, or even yeah, no, I know. Yeah, but but um, yeah, I, I just felt that the character um, was too one shade and two one shade so easily without the human struggles. That is what makes great literature 
or or whatever. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, the re- the reason, the, you know, uh, um, what the hell's the, the book called? Uh, oh shit, uh, the Jungle. I think it's just called the Jungle by Sinclair Upton, mm-hmm. um, or or uh, Catching a Rye, or or any of these other great books that you know, um, The Heart of Darkness or whatever. You have these characters that are struggling with their inner being and and this character just seemed like he already had everything already planned already decided already made without any showing of, of a struggle and and so that that's all i meant so that it just didn't work for me he does you know, seem no, to have it easier than the other characters in the show that's true. Yeah, that's I don't think it. I ever felt like he was truly in danger. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, yeah, so that that's a fair point. Um, but well, but again, he went up against Knox. I mean, when Emily was killed, I mean, he went up against Knox and tried to fight, and got clobbered by Knox with that little orb thing that he had. Yeah, but um, I didn't feel like he was in danger. They didn't bring me a sense of danger in that scene. Just that Knox was trying to get away after doing his dastardly deed. Well, yeah. I mean, if Knox wanted to kill uh, Marcus, he could have easily, but he didn't. Right. Well, and, and, you know, as we discovered based off of how the season ended, most of these main characters and their supporting characters had a lot of more plot armor than we expected. I mean, the people that did die were either villains or very very peripheral characters like yep. uh, the non blood related aunt, you know, and and so when Marcus was in that situation and him being so much, I mean, if you you took away our two leads and 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 a couple of the the villains like Knox at least in first season one, Marcus was was arguably the lead, right? I mean, he felt like the lead, so I never I never felt he was in danger. Um, so. I, I like that point, Barrett, where when he he confronted Knox, I, I I wasn't concerned either. Whereas Matthew with Benjamin, I felt danger. I felt true danger there because I felt like he could he could be killed. I actually thought, that, yeah, that it, it could have gone that way, where he was going to die, and then Diana would would lead on, you know, uh, without him. But you know, and it was a tragic death, but it was a death as a martyr or something of like that. Right. So, exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I, I thought they were going to go that route at one point. Um, but no, I mean, Kevin, your, your, your thoughts are all, all valid for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what about you, Sean? What, what did uh, your character you least liked and any opinions on, on the characters that we we've mentioned me, Barrett and, and Kevin. As well, well? You're just blowing minds here, Phil. And I like, at this point, I feel like I should have just like, reboot to the start of the podcast because i don't know what's going on here um i wanted to say that you make a very valid argument for marcus and i can't believe that uh i didn't think of this character before but i will replace i know this is changing it on the fly but i'm gonna change to philippe because i like philippe yeah, and and James Purefoy is an awesome actor, and I can't believe that my mind was so <laughs> tonight that I didn't even think of him. So, yeah, you Philippe and I is my are main character. So, same on 
Purdue. So, <laughs> so, so you're one of your, your favorite character. Yeah, your favorite so, character. Okay. So Paul, yeah. my favorite character is Philippe, and yep. I apologize for changing over a million times. Uh, least character that I liked. This is kind of I got kind of a tie. Um, I will say Benjamin because he's a rapist, and that's not cool amongst all his other horrible attributes that he does. But that's a fair point. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be unpopular, and I apologize. I'm gonna say Matthew. Matthew I, yeah. irritated me. <laughs> so much uh i'm not and i'm i'm not I'm sure that's not what they were intending so it's probably just i'm a weirdo or something but his character and the way he conducted himself throughout the series just irritated me because of we, we had long talks about this but so i would say i know it's probably super unpopular but there's no one else that i had so many issues with or was so contradictory and hypocritical <laughs> as matthew was and like again he was the one who caused all of this stuff because if he hadn't left benjamin for dead and you know who didn't die and then spent centuries in revenge like how many people in other lives wouldn't have been ruined he caused some of it you got to admit though javert would have been oh, after yeah. the declaremonts no matter what so without benjamin he would have found his own plots to try and yeah Screw that, let, but let let Chabert be even more creative, which is fine. But I just think that that aspect alone of that one decision that Matthew made, that then look at the chaos and destruction and death that followed because of it. And it, and we all make mistakes. Like I understand that, but that's a pretty horrendous mistake, and to never really take responsibility for it per se, also doesn't help. Well, and it's worse because he made. He made more than just Benjamin, and he accepted others, like Marcus is his son, but he didn't really think about the blood rage when he did all those things. He knew he was passing it on, but he still turned all these people. Yeah. And, I mean, he wiped out other people. He like right. they, they talk about he wiped out people in New Orleans, no problem. So I'm not sure why he... You know, why that one moment, my revenge is going to make you, maybe you'll die or maybe you won't. And we'll, t- we'll take our chances and see what happens. <laughs> so and the, just as the way he conducted himself, like how he was with everyone was just, he was like a dick most of the time. <laughs> so I, I, that was just the thing that got on my nerves is because it just that type of person I don't think would be very pleasant to be with. Like most of the other characters, you could see you would have a po- positive experiences with them. Matthew, I'm not so sure. So that's my rant. All right. No, and, and that's fair. I, I mean, I I didn't especially. I mean, he was kind of annoying in season one, but 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 he seemed like he was really trying. And then in season three, he he yeah he fell off. Uh, my um, favorite character list pretty quick as well, so I'm I'm not disagreeing with you at all on that. I mean, uh, either. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Kevin? What, what what do you think of Matthew generally? Well, Matthew, I I don't condemn him like the rest of you do. Yes, he made bad decisions. He was. 
Well, things about Matthew, like I remember like earlier ones where he pretty much told Diana, you know, I killed a whole bunch of people for you. I, I'm thinking, okay, that that's that's really um, romantic. Yeah, you know, excuse the sarcasm. Um, I mean, there are parts of, I mean, but I mean, yeah, we know he had the blood rage, but I mean, I don't even think the blood rage was what made him kill all those people for, you know, for, uh, for Diana. He was, I mean, yes, he was protecting her, but then he's also the one that, you know, attacked the one of Diana's, uh, witch associates, even though she, she betrayed Diana. I mean, Matthew still really put, did a number on her where she, I mean, she did, I don't know if she died or she did die, but it wasn't because of Matthew. It was because somebody else. Um, but I, and then, uh, what was it? Yeah. He made a lot of bad choices. He, the problem with him and I, and I, and I said this before is that here's a guy who's been kind of patriarchal. He's been the head. He's one, the one making the decisions you know and he's and some of the stuff he did you know he may not have been happy doing it but he did it under philippe's direction under philippe's command and at that time really didn't say no to philippe i mean you really didn't you know and i i mean if matthew could have said no he probably would have but he knew he couldn't that's why he, he killed a lot of people but then the thing is, though, is it took him like since World War II, so over 50 years to finally say, I'm sorry. And he and so his scene with the people in New, uh, New Orleans, when he listed off all the people he killed and not only listed them off, but described what happened as they died. And then apologize to marcus and then he even started i mean then he would apologize to diana like he would say something to diana and diana kind of shot back at him he says yeah you're right i'm sorry so i mean you could see a a reform a change in matthew so yeah he may not have been the greatest guy at the start but you can tell but he went through some pretty significant character transformations and if you want to talk about like best character transformation in the show, I would have to say Matthew. All right. Um, ex ex explain uh, that that transformation. That is awesome. I'm just curious what, what you what you saw. Well, no, I did. I mean, what I'm saying is, is that he was the one. Like he he never had to apologize for everything, anything. Oh, I see. What he saying, was you. Yeah. I mean, apart from apart from Baldwin, he was really the one in charge. I mean, he was the one who was giving orders to Marcus. He was the one giving orders to Mer to Miriam. He was the one giving orders, you know, until he met Diana. And Diana's like, "I'm not taking orders from you." But at the same time, he he was so in love with her that, I mean, doing that. He started changing because he also knew, hey, because, I mean, when he first met Diana, he realized it was illegal for him, really, to even have any sort of relationship with her, except for something like acquaintance. But then he started falling in love with her. So then he started to challenge the old ways and question the old ways. But then also during this time, you know, he is used to being essentially the patriarch 
yeah, under under uh, um, under Baldwin. Can I interject something real quick? Yeah, please do. Please do. I, I kind of see that as selfishness because he didn't change his ways until it affected him. Well, maybe it wasn't. He really didn't realize it until he met Diana. You're and way that's more when forgiving he, than me. Well, <laughs> remember, I'm a Christian. That's kind of my job. But I mean, the whole point is, is that maybe he it's just well i I have to interject i think you could could wake up you could like wake up and realize oh okay i mean i I mean barrett has a point i mean barrett definitely has a point i'm not going to argue with that because i mean he's probably right but when i looked at it i saw it as sometimes you need something that changes you so much like like falling in love with somebody to really realize Okay, something's got to change. I, 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 really I, really I, I got to interject here because I want to correct something that Kevin said, which is being a born again Christian does not mean that you are not a Christian if you're not born again. And I consider myself a Christian, and uh, I know Sean and Barrett, if, I don't know how religious they are, but they're Gentiles as well. So I just wanted to clarify that, Kevin. Just wanted to clarify that. Oh, you can be Jewish and Christian. I know a few Jewish people who believe in Jesus. Right, but but you know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm talking about, uh, but yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, just wanted to clarify that, prevent hate meals and, and such. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's fair, but, you know, again, um, I just, you, you made an argument, Kevin, that, that kind of made me almost uh, puke. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I meant it. And, and it's like, great. Oh, How else did wow. You it? Well, what I, well, Kevin said, Kevin said he, he, his father told him to do it. And so he had no choice. Right. But, you know, as, as we know, the war crime thing, which is uh, I, I was just following orders, you know, and even though I know it's wrong and I was killing people, I was just following <laughs> orders. So I don't think that really, you know, uh, gives me any, any, uh, more likeness to the character i said yeah that's true you're you're right your father told you to do it but he knew it was wrong you know so so i i just felt his character was more what what uh sean was was referring to though i i do understand the forgiveness and how at this point in his life even though he was a dink a lot in season three um by season three as an individual he wasn't the same person he was back when he mass murdered hundreds of people, but I just got a bad taste when, when he would, the way he treated Diana as well as the rape victim. And he starts flipping out at her and it's like, dude, this woman just escaped from Benjamin who you created and she was being raped continuously. And she just basically told you there's other witches that are in that dungeon being raped as well. And and you're yelling at me, you know. So I don't know. He's, he was. It's just a convenient time for his his change. Yes, it takes outside pressure for change to occur, but you know now he wants to change the rules because they affect him in a negative way. <laughs> That's right. what yeah. bothers me the most about it. Well, and also I don't think he would have even gone against Baldwin in the first place if he didn't meet. Diana, and and again, that's a fair point, which oh, is, is true. 
which is the love of Diana or whatever original reason he liked her and then he just fell in love with her. I think um, all of us would be the same way. <laughs> but but again, you're right too, Barrett, which is obviously it's self-interest. The moment he falls in love with Diana, he goes, okay, I'm changing everything because this is, you know. She's so, awesome. I like her. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, I, uh, I don't like, I don't like the, because I was ordered to excuse either, but it, I, I mean, I don't like that as well. And you can even tell that, you know, like when they went back in time, you know, Matthew says, okay, I, I mean, Matthew was changing. You, you can tell Matthew was had changed since the Elizabethan time because he was the one who would torture people. I mean, Matthew tortured people. And then he just said, all right, well, um, you know, he, he had to talk, he had to tell that to Diana says, you know, the, the Matthew of this time was really a bad character. So, I mean, he had his times of, all right, what I did was, well, the, the crazy part is, is that in the Elizabethan times, it's almost like he enjoyed it. You know? I don't like, I don't like the excuse of I was under orders either, but I also have the, the thought that I would not want to walk a mile in that person's shoes if I'm a peon in the Nazi empire, you know, yes, you could try and save Jews and some people did and some people didn't. It's hard to judge those people that aren't the leaders that become part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is that it's very possible. I, I see. Was he afraid? I mean, was he afraid of Philippe when Philippe ordered him to do it? Or... Well, also, Kevin, to, to, yeah, I was going to say to, to get into that, um, I mean, and you've been, you know, you know you, you'll understand what I'm talking about, because I've said this a number of times on the Dark Discussions podcast, that the question is, do you follow orders? Because it's as, as Barrett mentioned, you know, it's tough, you know, you're, you're a peon. What are you going to do if you don't follow the orders? You're dead. But if you're a person that has faith, what's more important to live or to have your soul damned to hell because you, you, you killed people and you, so you were able to live. So I, I, I don't, I, I think I would unfortunately be killed because I don't, I don't, I would hope I would not follow the orders if I was a, a soldier in Nazi Germany that just suddenly got stuck doing some terrible guard duty or, or, you know, shoot these Jewish people. I, I don't think I would do it. No, and I wouldn't either. Maybe, maybe uh, for the many of the same reasons is, well, if they were, if if I got recruited in the if I if I was in Germany with my faith that I have today, and they said, okay, you're you're going to fight for you're going to fight for the Nazis now, I'd be like, I'd, I'd probably try to collect information and try to escape across the lines and say here to the to the to the Allies here. You know, oh, by the way, there's a bunch of Jews over there getting slaughtered. You might want to, you might want to fix that. I would say or, I'm spiritual, but I would still think it's wrong. And I would hope that I would want to fight against those things. I just know inertia sometimes traps people and they can't make the right decision. And sometimes it's hard to make that right decision. So, but Matthew is a leader. That's the difference to me. He made right. those choices and what he was like the upper echelon making the decision to kill all the rage vampires. 
So it's he was just the extension of the will of the people in charge. And he was one of those in charge. So Right, right. Yeah. I mean I mean again a lot of this could be filled out better in, in the novels. Uh but either way I think Sean, you you may be right that it's fair to either hate the character or as as Kevin mentioned, you know, understand where the character was going from and, and how uh it's it's more of an interesting protagonist rather than the character that you and and I'll agree with you, Sean, don't like that much. Uh what's your thoughts? Biggest oh, flaw to his character is that he I don't understand why Diana likes him. That's what I don't get based on what we see in the story. It's hard for me to accept that. Yeah. Well, yeah. not only that, but I mean, one other question that, that I have is, like, I mean, yes, why did Diana like him in the first place? But why, I mean, wouldn't, I mean, if this was today, I mean, if this was, okay, a non-vampire. All right. And we, we're, talk, we're talking about Nazi Germany. I mean, let's just say, I mean, people who were involved in Nazi Germany, even though they said I was just following orders, they still got punished. Yeah, after, I mean, after, many, the, war, after the war, after, after the war, right. after the war, yeah. after the war right. they still got right. punished. And so my question is, is, you know, why wasn't Matthew punished? I mean, yes, he was a declare, uh, de and all that. Um, but why? Or Isabel, so why know. wasn't she punished too, right? For killing all those witches. Yeah. And yeah, actually, yeah. Well, why would they? Another, another was another character I liked because she was very repentant. I mean, up to the point where she wouldn't go to Emily's funeral because she said, look, I didn't think it would be good taste for me to do it. Now, maybe the reason why Isabeau is a different case is this because this is Isabeau killed witches. She did not kill vampires. And maybe at the time there was a war, like a sort of war between vampires and witches, which is why the the covenant, uh, you know, was was first formed in the first place is, OK, let's stop killing each other. Right. And they maybe you have know. gotten uh, a pass for past events when they created. Well, this well, it, yeah, I mean, it was I mean, it was kind of like a war. So, I mean, if you had I mean, in a war, lots of people get killed. So, I mean, maybe that's why they were not, they were not as after Isabeau, but that still makes me wonder why wasn't um, Matthew punished at all for his, for his crimes. Right, right. Well, they weren't considered crimes by the vampire community. Right. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Both Matthew that's and, and Isabel have done mass murders of, of of witches and whatnot, and and yeah, they 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 never were punished. Um, and and if they're well known individuals, which they are, it's it's surprising that other people on the council didn't say, you know, that you know what they did was uh, obviously an issue. Unless the council, when it was formed, they agreed to to. Uh, uh, pardon everybody before the council started. You know, That's kind of what I'm figuring happened. Yeah. Well, it sounded like Shabir was involved in the witch killings too. Yeah. So, and he, he had a head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He had to be okay on the, the council. So, but I mean, the thing is, if he, they found out he had that head, then he would have gotten in trouble. Um, right. Yeah. I would have been curious to see 
why Satu didn't blackmail him, you know, unless that scene didn't even happen in the book, you know, maybe, maybe that scene that was, I hope it did. Cause that was a really cool scene. I liked that he had a witch's head in a box. But, but what I mean is, is Satu finds it. She frees the head and she confronts, you know, you know, you know, you think she, she would have, blackmailed them or something well she generally um, got rid of the evidence right i mean because she got the head she freed the head so there was be no way to prove that he did that right yeah yeah now uh let's go back to you sean um now yeah because you hadn't say it much and you were the character with that person that brought up the character and the reasons and there's been a lot said since you brought him up um What's your thoughts on, on what, what me, Barrett, and, and Kevin have just mentioned? Well, I also know I'm a very judgy ginger, so I accept that as part of my character flaws. Um, <laughs> I will say, like, I respect Kevin's ability to give more uh, forgiveness and understanding to Matthew. And I will say that I think after Matthew's last stupid stunt of going running in like an idiot and getting captured and tortured... I think that he did have a shift finally. He had mm-hmm. his epiphany and that he did feel different than he was for the whole series prior. So I think maybe he did get his redemption and he is going to work to be a better person. And that's great. I just think even if you just look at his personality, his personality was abrasive. He was egotistical, arrogant, um, had a very like I'm better than you attitude about things and like don't question me and that's where you notice where Diana several times called him out on stuff right and I don't think he was used to it and some of his responses weren't very positive um but I I do give the I do give him that by the end they what they showed was a different person but it does it does make you question about all the stuff that happened. And like if this was the like even before his actual epiphany that I saw, if that was like the new and improved Matthew, I hate to see what he was like before. <laughs> <laughs> like really. <laughs> so but that's just what I thought. So I think everybody brings up interesting points and like I totally understand that. And I like as I say, I don't imagine that my choice is going to be uh supported by many people but it's just that's just what how it rubbed me in the series so and i'll say like <laughs> i agree actor, with you on it like matthew gets awesome he's an awesome actor so it's nothing to do with like dissing the actor or anything it's just the way the character was framed to me was not the best not someone that i would have um said was a true protagonist but that doesn't mean that at the, he doesn't get his redemption and, and doesn't get to be someone better and learn from his mistakes, um, which I do think he did at the end. So, right. well, I, makes- I, I don't think you, you have to apologize for um, Matthew Good, the actor, because obviously yeah, we're not talking about the people behind the, the, the performance because they're, you know, they're playing a character. So I, I think... Um, you're right. It, it's he was he was fine, and he played the character really well because he made those irritating, rash, and and just mean statements he said to Diana and other people throughout. Um, it, it was almost like they were trying to make season three a uh, a story arc from redemption for him, and and I, I don't know if it, it 
really work that well. It, it, to be honest, that's why I felt Baldwin's redemption was, was phenomenal. Was better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Much better. And, uh, but I do like how Matthew at the end of season three did understand that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a leader and, and I can't be a general here either. I, I'm just going to be an advisor. And I think that also works with the character we saw, especially in season three, because he knows that, yeah, he screwed up everything and he was just a dink throughout the whole season. So when, when he says that at the end, basically that, yeah, it's not for me. And, and Philip Baldwin always knew you were the better leader and all these other things. I think he really came around. It's just that again, that was the problem with season seven was it just happened way too quick and they were just tying up stuff too quickly. If they had like another four or five episodes where we saw Matthew realizing these things then rather than just you know in episodes seven he says it in, in like a fifth ten last ten minutes of the, the episode then i think it would have worked better but anyway um all right so what do we want to talk about now uh favorite scenes maybe anybody want to do that favorite scenes of the series um what do we got um how about how about you, Sean? What do you got? Uh, I, my brain isn't working right now, but uh, again, like I, would, I told the listeners, we're winging it tonight. We're winging. Sorry. It. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would, you know, I can't. I don't think there's like a scene that like so blew me away because there was a lot of good scenes. I would probably lean to the stuff with Philippe because again, they kind of like built up Philippe to be this like very unpleasant character and then when you actually get introduced you get to see a much different person so i i think i enjoyed and i think there was a lot more uh, at least in some aspects there's a lot more thought in the the um scenes involving him so i think like if i was gonna pick anything it would probably be anything that was involving philippe but i will say that the uh, now that i'm thinking about it uh sorry is the domenico scene when he's talking to Baldwin and reveals Chabert's uh, treachery and, and has a, has a whole line about like, or when Baldwin's like, well, what do you want for this? And he's like, uh, horribly nothing. <laughs> like, I don't even recognize myself. I just thought that was great because you would, again, you kind of like have the characters all built to be like all going for their own uh, machinations or whatever. And, I, you know, there was a time he could have asked for something and he's nope, I'm just doing this because this is the right thing to do. So I'll go with that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, or, or all those points you made are good ones. Uh, all right, let's go with you, Barrett. My favorite, I would say my favorite episode is the one where Philippe accepts Diana into the family. I just really liked that episode. I thought it was really powerful. And um, it's, it's probably my favorite of the whole, of all three seasons. Yeah. All right. That's good. So, so similar to Sean, uh, with with Philippe and and his, um, specifically the, the where where he he turns from being a dink to uh, supporting Matthew and and his uh, new daughter-in-law. Um. All right. Uh. What about you, Kevin? What do you got? Uh. I I don't know if I have an absolute favorite episode or scene, but one of the one of the parts that sticks out to me was. Uh, well, the last episode where 
they all have their keys and Baldwin steps up Diana. He says, Oh good. You brought her. And he says, no. And Diana holds up the key. And says, she's the one representing the Claremont family. And of course, um, that totally goes against uh, Gerbert's plans. And I, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's the start of Gerbert getting his comeuppance. And I thought that was a, that was a good scene. Um, it is a really good scene. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. All right. That's good. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. For a quiet scene. Well, I, first of all, I got to agree with, with, with Sean. There, there's no scenes that blew me away. Um, this isn't like Game of Thrones that just had some really great scenes. Um, because the, Red Wedding. The, yeah, <laughs> the, the Red Wedding and, and, and the, the um, uh, Helm's Head and, and, and Cersei's Walk and, you know, and there's hundreds of them in, in Game of Thrones. Like, the ridiculous. sword fight between the mountain and the rapier guy. <laughs> Oberyn, or yeah, Oberyn, oh, oh yeah, 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 oh, oh yeah, yeah, that was a great Whoa. one. Yeah, yeah, there, there was a lot of them in that show. So there this are. one's a, it's a little different. This one's a little different. Uh, so one, uh, oddly, and again, it's it's fresh in my memory as, and it's right before the the, the Baldwin scene, right before, uh, or two scenes right before the one that Kevin brought up, which is when Baldwin is called in and everybody starts yelling at him, and then Diana says, "No, I called him here," and then when she shows him the information and how he just proved everything that I thought about the character, which is he was not absolutes. If, if I always, even though he seemed absolute throughout the series, um, I never felt he was because he put himself on the line in season two uh, for, for Matthew and all that was where he almost died because of Knox. But, and he may have seemed like he was being a dink the first few episodes of this season three he he then comes in and he's shown that information and he's as like that's the baldwin that i knew he was going to be but the scenes that actually i enjoyed the most were diana's power scenes i loved her scene when she created the phoenix i loved the scene when she created the tree of life for the first time um uh so so stuff like that and again th those are the flashy scenes um, but, um, those were kind of my favorite scenes as well. Uh, so yeah, that, that's where I was at. Um, but I, I'm kind of with Sean, which is Sean, which is you said that, yeah, there, there isn't like scenes that really like boo blow your way. Like say I, uh, my example of game of Thrones Now you're going to want to interject Sean. Yeah. Sorry to do that. Um, I was going to say, cause I realized again, my brain's all over, uh, one of the scenes that I do really think was really i really enjoyed was a smaller scene but it was the scene where fernando's talking to sarah about grief and i think oh I yeah know, yeah you guys like that That scene, was like right? a very powerful scene so i i really like that because again it wasn't um all and again nothing wrong with flashy flashy's fun right <laughs> i loved how they presented the magic in the series but just it was such a like very poignant and small scene but it dealt with a really big topic so i thought that was really cool so that was what i was going to add right right yeah yeah i know you brought that one up um when we discussed that episode you, yeah you you brought how that was a really huge scene for you um 
All right. Uh, now, I, I just threw out, I mean, Barrett started with, you know, favorite and uh, villain. And then, you know, I, I was just throwing out the, the, some of the ones that I wrote on my list here. But uh, I'm being a dry out. So did you guys have any others? Barrett, you had any other ones that you wanted to bring up? Best of or worst Does of? Does anyone have like a favorite season? I think mine is season two. And why, Barrett? The listeners want to know why. I'll tell you why. Um, so the second season I felt was more solid um, with villains and tension and some joyous things with Philippe and all of that. Whereas season one, we were just getting to know the characters. There's some iffiness and unevenness about that season. And then season three, I just am still not happy about how the villains were dealt with. I thought it was like too easy um, and it just ended too abruptly. So season two is definitely, and it had James Pierre perfectly, which always helps. Season two is my favorite. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Uh, Kevin, what about you? Uh, I mean, yes, I also enjoy season two the the most. Um, I mean, I like the historical part of it. I like seeing like Sir Walter Raleigh. That was fun, kind of fun to see. You know, it's like all of these famous people that they're actually friends with. Uh, you know, it's we we get to meet we we meet some of the more interesting some of my more favorite characters like like Gallo Glass and we meet him and uh, I have to admit that I mean and then we also met Kit and we just met a lot of these other you know we I can't remember we met Shakespeare but uh, I. It was kind of a, it was, it was fun. Yes. And we also met Philippe, you know, cause we hear about Philippe both before we hear about Philippe after. And so at least then in, in season two, we get to see what Philippe was like. And even Matthew at the end, when, um, in the last season, when they came back and Matthew and, and Diana were together and, one was freaking out says you can't do this it's just you know what would philippe say and then she said philippe gave me his blessing and that was um i thought that was an interesting uh turn of events and also actually one of my going back to one of my favorite scenes is when baldwin gets all uppity and diana does her magic against him and that kind of freaked out Baldwin. Now, it probably hurt Diana a little bit, but at the same time, though, it kind of showed, okay, this is what she can do now. You know, she's not this witch that needs to use a kindergarten book to figure out, you know, how to light a fire. I mean, she doesn't have to do that anymore. So, but again, C2, I still think, was my more favorite, mostly because we got to meet historical characters and just some of the characters that we we start to really like I, the only thing about season two is i wish we would have seen some more of the the past people like the like uh not the past people well sorry the shall i say this the people we see modern day but see them in the past as well and maybe see how some of some of these people we actually meet you know, like how, how did they meet how did they get to know each other how did they get introduced that's stuff like that yeah that's a fair one uh what about you 
Mr. Sean. Uh, I will say that I, I'm framing it like the Star Wars original trilogy. First season was like A New Hope. Second season was like Empire Strikes Back, which was the best. And the third season was like Return of the Jedi, which is fine. Got some resolution at that point before everything got messed up with new stuff. <laughs> and I just like the second season the best because it had so much in it with going back to Elizabethan England and being able to... to see Sator with Philippe and get that whole time with Philippe, which was really great. Um, the you I, Was it you, Barrett, I think, who pointed this out about the villains were stronger and there was much yeah. more suspense about what was going to happen in season two. So I think that's probably where I'm, I would say for sure I'd go with season two. Not to, not to diminish the other two seasons, but I think out, out of the most most consistent and most solid it was season two for me. Yeah, all right, all right, sounds good. Um, yeah, uh, for me, um, I felt all the seasons weren't a hundred percent strong. Um, and what I mean is, you know, as any construct, you know, you know, like when they do, uh, and we've discussed this on Halloween Boutique, Psychotronic Reviews podcast, as well as Dark Discussions podcast, which is things like you know best uh album of the year you know the album that or, or best film uh, or the the film that made the most during the year you know if a film that comes out in december or an album comes out in december they only have one month to work on 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 that um list while something that comes out in january gets 12 months so like here you know you're gonna have episodes that don't work as well and if you know you take the last half of season one the first half of season two or or, you know you just any 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 constructive way that you want to put the episodes together you're going to have a a much stronger way to look at it versus just saying you know this is season one but since we have these these constructs in place where there's actually three seasons and i have to choose one um I, I would like to choose two, but because I, I kind of agree, it, it was the one that had the best scenes when it came to, you know, Diana's, my favorite things with Diana's power and the tree of life and the Phoenix and all that. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go with season one. And the reason I'm going to go with season one is I like seeing the Diana before she was uh, even knew that she had any real powers and the the introduction of the book and the and the world the magic there i I felt it was kind of cool um how the book just appeared for her and things of that nature and then um watching knox as a villain and and his and and making it look like he was going to be the the main villain for the the series I i felt he was a strong villain um and also the season i felt focused a really a whole lot on diana uh more than than matthew's character as did season two for that matter but um i i did like the modern era and then that switch and it being that drastic the change to season two from season one just felt out of place to me when i first watched season two because it just felt like the author Deborah Harkness said, "Gee, where could I go? Oh, why don't I just write a new 
book, but with the same characters, but let's place it in 1590 because that's kind of cool. So all in all, it works, but it just feels like this weird outlier between the three seasons. And, and so that's why I would choose season one uh, over season two. And obviously season three was, was the weakest by far, um, at least in my opinion. Uh, so, so that's where, that's where I stand. So I'm, I'm actually different than you guys because you all said season two. Um, am I wrong? My feelings or is my feelings valid? Your feelings you are valid. It's kind of a, it's kind of a toss up between one and two for me. I just thought season two worked better because it, it had the stronger storyline. I thought, the the season one when they all of a sudden come to them going back in time just it i don't know there's just some even unevenness for me for that season but for you it worked more than for me so you're not wrong (laughs) right right fair enough fair enough um sean your thoughts uh am i I insane you're not insane and it, it's okay. pro- it's good to have not a full well, opinion, not for this. so <laughs> I, was funny. Kevin. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. So um <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but sorry. But continue, Ash. Uh now I lost where I was going. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, you're not fifty <laughs> yet, are you? You can't do that. It Only feels I can like do it, that. I'm in my it's after this week it is it is it feels like I'm much older than that. But anyways, um no, I just I was just going to say that uh, it's good to have a little bit of uh, difference because I mean we all like we all have similar points I think as to why we like season two, but I think it's it's good to have your points as well as to why you liked season one a little bit more. I mean the point is is that as long as you got enjoyment out of the series overall, I think that's the most important thing. We can have little squabbles about what things were like good for each of us because we all have different um outlooks and perspectives or whatever but i think overall we could just say like the series itself was was good it wasn't perfect but it also wasn't terrible in any way shape or form right yeah it was no stand (laughs) 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 sorry i can't help myself gotta bring it up every time phil sorry yeah i still remember when phil said first First, Phil, uh, blah, 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 rewind, start over. When Phil first said, Oh, yeah, watch this show. We're going to do an episode on it. And we were going through Lovecraft Country at the time. And I thought this, and I still say this was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, yeah. Lovecraft Country was just horrendous. I mean, just a terrible show. I, I don't care what anybody, our listeners think if they watched it and they liked it. I thought it was. I thought horrendous. it was okay. It was leaps and bounds better than The Stand. The Stand was just pure. Terrible. Oh, the stand was absolutely horrendous as well. Absolutely. But it was like, I got back to back shows and not including the undoing, which is a great show, but yeah, we, we did have that. Yeah. We <laughs> that had the good. Lovecraft country and then, we, yeah, that was good. And we have a podcast uh, for that. The undoing If anybody who has seen that HBO uh, six episode series, uh, the undoing a therapy session podcast. You can find that wherever podcasts are found. Um, me, Kevin and Barrett did a uh, podcast on that and we all love that show um but yeah lovecraft country that i couldn't stand and then the stand was terrible and then as kevin just said uh this is a breath of fresh air for sure compared to that garbage um 
So, uh, what about you, Kevin? Am I insane? You you didn't really answer it. You just said, "Well, you know, it's breath of fresh air." Well, I, I sarcastically, I sarcastically said, "Well, not for this reason." Um, right. But I mean, when, when all is said and done, no. I mean, have uh, I'll, let me, um, if I may, quote the ever famous philosopher, the dude. Well, you know, that's just like your opinion, man. And that's what a lot of this show is. It's our opinion. I had my opinion on Matthew, you know, and I know my opinion was not the most popular opinion in this panel here. And I completely understand why. And Matthew was not my favorite character either. I just think I liked Matthew more than the rest of you did. And that's fine. I mean, I completely understand why you don't like him. And I just... Perhaps I just saw him in a, in a different light, you know, maybe just because it was Matthew Good playing him because I've seen him in other things and I think he's a good actor. So I just kind of, you know, maybe that colored my view. I don't know. I, I just saw him in The Kingsman and he was very good in that one. Yes. Very different. <laughs> very different in that one. And yeah, but I, I thought he was I thought he was fantastic. Um in that movie and so but the thing is i've also seen him in other and other things like leap year and downton abbey i mean he is totally different in downton abbey than anything else i've seen him in and downton abbey is the one i remember him most um but uh you know and it's and i have to admit like i said a lot of these actors from this show i recognize because i watch a lot of british piece are and I didn't even watch the first season of, of uh, a Game of Thrones. So, I mean, a lot of these these characters that I've a lot of these actors I've seen, I've seen in other things, mostly British mysteries. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I have no idea where I was going with this. I do this all the time. But, oh, but we all have our different opinions. You know, we have our different opinions. So, Phil... And it actually, there's one. There's also one moment that I that did that did um, that I remember that I liked, and it was a very short one. Is when um, uh, her name Emily's aunt, or not Emily's aunt, uh, Diana's aunt, the uh, one that passed away. Sarah. Sarah. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah, Sarah, after she essentially, after she pretty much killed Knox, she just kind of said this, you know, I thought I'd feel better, but I don't, you know, and that, and like I said, that to me spoke of Sarah's character as not a vindictive person, you know, I mean, she killed somebody and she really was not happy with it. She really, I mean, even though this was the same guy that killed her wife, you know, the love of her life, you know, she still did not, I mean, usually when you see a lot of movies, you know, you cut, you come away with, oh, I feel so much better. I just killed the guy, you know, she's like, I killed him and I don't feel good about it. I thought I would, but I don't. And that speaks to her of that. This woman, this is a woman that truly does value life. And for that, I, I, you, you got to give credit to somebody like that. 
You know what, though? I, I thought that was a problem with that scene. And I agree, Kevin. You're absolutely right. Oh, uh, well, no, let me explain. Is uh, It's exactly true what the feelings that she feels. But I also feel they should have added something like relief. And, and what I mean is when you take when someone that is very bad that is a murderer that's murdered your family members at least three in this case that's yeah. on the board meaning that they exist and the moment they're taken away meaning that they pass or they're in jail or whatever even if you're responsible for that person's being taken off the board or not you would at least have some relief too so I, I can't believe – well, I, let me rephrase that. I, I can believe some people would feel that way. But I can't believe most folks would feel that empty after – I would think it would be more of a mix where they would feel empty because they, they you know, they lo- love life. And even if a villain is a villain, they're a human being and they should still have dignity just for the fact they're human beings. But – I also feel they would have some relief as well and, 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 and feel, if not good about it, at least feel relaxed. And I don't think that this show in that scene showed that as we've seen in maybe other movies or TV shows where, where something like that occurs, where someone has regret for the death, but also at least understands that, all the rest of their loved ones now will be safe from this terrible threat that was out there prior to them being eliminated. Well, I mean, she knows, she knows, I mean, she was even mind and shows that she pretty much took out a really bad guy. I mean, she knows that she took out a really, really nasty piece of work. I mean, she understands that. But she doesn't. She's not happy. Well, she's not it. gloating. But but that's my thing is that you're not going to gloat. I got but, a different feeling but, from it. I felt like she just didn't like having that access to that kind of power. Not that she regretted him being gone. Which is why she should have been on the council. Right. <laughs> we need people like that who don't. But want I think the there's. Power, who will yeah, I good. think there's a difference between regretting killing him and regretting that you had that kind of power because you don't desire it. Right. Yeah. And that's a fair point too, because yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, Kevin, or you're right, Barrett, you know, you, both of your interpretations of her feeling based off of what she said to Diana. Yeah. But I guess you could read it either way. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that makes sense. You know, I, 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 um, and, and my reading of it would have been obviously different, which was what I, I said, which is she would be have a, have an empty feeling, but also at least feel more calm about the existence of, of herself and, and all the people around her from a threat that was there before. But um, but yeah, I, I like that. I, li- I like your point too, Barrett. And and I don't I don't mean that to uh, poo-poo you, Kevin. Uh, On a tangent, I want to just jump on Kevin's comment about uh, watching British shows and getting to see familiar faces. 
it was cool that the actress who plays Sarah, uh, Alex Kingston, Kingston is her name, I believe, uh, was River Song in Doctor Who. So anybody who knows that, that's kind of, so it was cool to see her. And it was cool to see, though I wasn't a fan of Knox, but it was fun to see the guy who played him and who had been Alistair, Alistair Thorne in Game of Thrones. So it's, it's always fun to see the different British shows where you see these faces pop up again and again. So now, that actor, <laughs> that actor, did, did he, is he always plays villains? Uh, Owen Teal, you think, or, or what? It seems like, I don't think I've seen him and he's, he's not good, <laughs> so. Oh, quasi, because right. I know you think he's... he's yes, you I think he was of... misunderstood in the Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, 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 no. The only misunderstood person was the Night King. The Night King. <laughs> right, well, well, well. I, but you know what I'm saying. He, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. How could I, the Night King be misunderstood? They just wanted to destroy humanity. No, he wanted to cleanse the, the, the world and bring peace. Right. So, so like, that's not... I mean, that's it's, still destroying humanity. That's well, not, he... It, 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 well, well, he, no, it was misunderstood because they. It was, it's just a running joke in Game of Thrones podcast that we have. But, but what it was ah. is, is I kept on saying that that is he really a villain or is he working for his people? Because the humans keep on. I agree with you. Yes, yeah. he yeah. is not a villain. He is working for his own people, which are undead, of course. But right, yeah, he was a villain to the humans because he was possibly going to wipe them out but to him he wasn't a villain at all and his people thought he wasn't a villain because he um felt that he was stuck on the other side of the wall unjustly and you know i don't know it was, it was yeah the humans joke. were evil damn it they were standing in his way they even built a wall to stop him who do they think they are and, and they were the one they they helped create create the uh exactly you know, with, with, with the, the the whatever the nature people whatever they were called but yeah, anyway, that's a different show. Man, I wish I'd have been on that with you, Phil. I'd have been so behind you on that. I think, yeah, dude, dude, that would have been awesome if you were on that podcast with, with me, Eric, and Mike, because yeah, you, I think you, you would have been right there with me. You just yeah. had to rely on my emails, Phil. I'm sorry. Oh, did you agree yeah, yeah. too? Oh, yes, I was the one who was pushing the misunderstood night. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Um, I'm so going to win election. They don't do anything like like the humans betray each other. They don't betray each other. They have a single purpose, and that's they right. know what their purpose is. And the humans are standing in their way, and that's the humans' fault, not theirs. And they embrace everybody. There isn't judgment or exactly kind of thing. Everyone's equal. Everyone's cool. They even make and, you and one of them so. once you fall. You sound like a Borg. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's true too. Anyway, let's get back to, to Discovery of Witches, Demons and Vampires. For folks who want to hear our discussions on Game of Thrones, they can go to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, which can be found anywhere podcasts are found. Um, so, um, now this show here, uh, what other things did we want to bring up about the whole series? Because uh, this episode isn't just discuss season three or the last episode of season three this is just a thing to discuss i'm hoping there's a spin-off yeah i'm hoping there's a spin-off and i also like the music the yeah. the the covers of the different songs that they chose throughout the seasons yeah. were totally really agree yeah. well i i actually felt the, the the regular soundtrack for the for the show especially in season one uh was was pretty awesome as well you know with the orchestral soundtrack like um the scene when diana is is um 
doing that, that kayak thing. I, I forget what you call those things, the rowing thing. I don't, I don't know what it is. But on, on the rowing. T- yeah, t- on the on the Thames or wherever it was supposed crew, to be. Crew, don't place. they call it crew or something? Yeah, crew, like, right. We're right, just right. not we're not special enough to know all that stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. Thames, not Thames, but anyway. Well, what is it called? The Thames. Okay, Thames, yeah. yeah well it's it, I I don't know. That's some foreign country. I don't know anything about that. Anyway. <laughs> that was funny, Phil. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be intentionally funny. Um, yeah, I can pronounce Native it's American like names. Canada, no problem. Right? <laughs> right, right. That's, hey. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about that up there, except my ancestors flooded. Well, they didn't flee it. They just said, there's no jobs here. We're going to leave in Quebec, and we're coming down to New England, and so that's what they did. In Michigan, they went to Michigan too. But anyway, um, so uh, yeah, that would be kind of cool as a spinoff. I know there's a the people have mentioned um, that have emailed us that there there was a, another book, and that there book is the fourth is, book. Yeah, and that's Marcus and Phoebe's story. So um, they could probably go that route. Um, obviously, though, um, Marcus. The act, actor that plays Marcus and the actress that plays Phoebe aren't, aren't, you know, bigger names like Palmer and Good. So it may not have the draw. I mean, if Palmer and Good couldn't draw a huge audience for this show, the actors and actress for that spinoff would, would, would do nothing. So um, I don't know if that would work unless they recast both people. Um, but Again, you know, this is a new era where, where you know, movie stars aren't a big thing anymore. People watch TV shows or movies because they sound good rather than, oh, I want to see the new Brad Pitt film yeah, or, or Emily Blunt film. People don't do that anymore or not as much anyway. Um, but, yeah, they could do a spinoff. Uh, but also they could just do a, a spinoff in the same universe and, and not even follow uh, Deborah Harkness's stories. Um, you know, that's what they're doing right now with Game of Thrones, right? They're, they're going to they're doing the spinoff that's coming up where they're not following uh, any set uh, story by George R.R. R. Martin. They're just doing the universe, you know? So, um, kind of like the Tolkien films or show that's coming. I mean, I don't yes. feel like they're doing that directly. They're using themes from the Silmarillion, but the Silmarillion is told differently. So, they're going to have to make up a lot of stuff. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's a fair point, too. So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things and aspects to uh, this universe because the, the type of creatures, demons, witches, and vampires, and how they were portrayed in this television series compared to what you would usually see in old horror films where they would be all, you know, evil. Uh, but again, you know, we've seen in the past t- 10 to 30 years with all these urban fantasy, dark fantasy and mystical realism books that this is, this here that we see in this show isn't necessarily all that new. Um, however, um, this universe itself obviously is distinct from other urban fantasy novels so they still could create a spinoff but but that's the thing you know do do we think there will be because again this this show uh just just didn't have the viewership that everybody thought um 
I mean, if you go look this season, they don't list the last two episodes yet, but episode five had on original viewing when it was released. And again, this is the, in the only in the UK. So again, this is it's skewed. Um, so when it pr- premiered on the UK, it only had 136,000 viewers, you know, which is like CNN. So I, I don't know, or any, any news station for that matter. So I, I don't know, you know, compared to say game of Thrones, which had like 2.5 million, you know, um, so would it could there realistically be a spinoff, even if yeah, it was I well think there done, could be because you know you got to take into account also that Game of Thrones was on HBO, which requires larger viewership just because of you know it's the the channel itself. I think some of these smaller channels like AMC and Sundance and all those. Um, I think that kind of viewership and it's also England. I don't know what that compares to, you know, if we knew the numbers here, I'd have a better answer, <laughs> but I uh, think sky is a bigger um, channel or coverage coverage in the UK. So that is, it's, it seems that seems like a low amount for an audience, but again, like you're saying, like without actually knowing what the comparisons are with the North American figures, it's, it's difficult. So. Right, right, yeah. But but whether it could be made or not isn't isn't the point. The point was is that yeah, it would be it would be good to see a spinoff. Yeah, yep. You know wh- whether it was um, specific to this fourth book that you know you you mentioned, Kevin, or if it's just a, a brand new story unrelated that they decide to put in the same universe well they could also do something because i don't know if you guys have seen this or not and this is sort of ties in i guess but um like barrett you're talking about the lord of the rings series that's coming up on amazon well there's also a lord of the rings movie animated movie that's coming out in 2024 the war of the rohirrim where it's set 250 years before the lord of the rings trilogy oh that's, that's cool being, i hadn't heard about that so so you could like the thing is is like you don't even have to do a live action series you could do an animated series and then you can play with the magic and all that stuff way easier than yeah. in a live action. Cause everything's CGI basically. The voices it's all graphics. Too. Right. <laughs> so, and it's, there's lots of people who are always interested in doing voiceovers, right? So it might be easier to get some names if you're going to go down that route to, to, to give it some extra for whatever. Because we've shown that, like, you don't have, you're not restricted to just being live action now. Like, I think we've had a lot of shift in, like, the streaming services and stuff where there, you don't have to just be live action for your shows. You can have an animated show and different animation styles or whatever, and it still will get people to watch. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, has anybody seen the Harley Quinn animated series? I did. I watched the first two seasons. It's, I like it. It's fun. Now, now, was that cell drawn or was that CGI? I believe it's cell drawn, but I could be wrong. It, uh, yeah, to me, it, it looked uh, like it was. <laughs> okay, so yeah, because what I meant was, does it look more like Scooby Doo, or does it, it look? Oh, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. Does it look more like Little Mermaid, or does it look more like Frozen? I would say you it's know? much more like uh, the Batman the Animated Series. 
but just like brighter colors because it's color okay, okay, series, okay. right? Okay, so so it's 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 like Little Mermaid, yeah. uh, meaning cellular rather than frozen. Okay, I was just curious. So they, yeah, I, okay. So uh, and what about the Godzilla series? Was that that Did I didn't see, that? see, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Um, but yeah, that's an interesting thing too. Um, an animated thing or something. Um, I, I'd be curious to know if this season, this show had actually been originally to be longer, and it's just because it didn't, you know, it, it didn't have as big of a viewership as they hoped. It, it kind of um, was less that they shot it, you know, they they shortened it, but they weren't going to do a Netflix thing like they did, like Mindhunter and say, you know what, it's it, it got no viewership, let's just shut it down. What's keep it going for the one more season because we're still going to have the, the the viewership that is loyal and they're going to be here. It's just that we're going to have to cut it down a little bit. I don't know. I didn't read anything. I didn't really do any research on that, but it would have been interesting to figure out. Well, we uh, and, from the emails, right, that the COVID stuff shut down one episode, I guess. But yeah, yeah it, doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like they ever made any guarantees about that they were going more than three seasons, at least nothing that I had seen when I was looking or whatever. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's a, that's a tough COVID COVID. Uh, yeah. Um, heard a lot, a lot of our productions for sure. As we know, um, let's see anything else that we want to discuss about the season. Cause again, this is it. We're wrapping it up. The show's <laughs> over. Uh, so if there's anything else to say or, or bring up, this is the time to do it. Anyone? Anything? Covered everything that I thought about about this the series. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Alright. What about you, Sean? Anything else? Uh yeah, for the series I think we we've got uh it wrapped up pretty good, so Alright, that's fair. All right, so I guess we can we can probably start wrapping it up here. So uh it's bittersweet since uh we're wrapping it up. We've had some uh, great uh, listeners that that uh, a few few of them uh, let us know that they were out there by emailing us. Uh, the downloads were always good uh, for the show, um, and um, um, it was fun as well as we all discussed. And as Kevin said, it was a breath of fresh air, especially mm-hmm. after some cr- crappy podcasts that we had to do. Uh, we didn't have to do, but we went in blind and as we're watching it, it's like, whoops, we made a mistake here. Um, but, um, so yeah, it'll be, uh, um, sad closing the podcast up because again, um, it's been a, a constant, even, uh, you know, weekly. And then when, even during the, the time it was on hiatus, you know, we, you knew it was coming back. Um, so yeah, so bittersweet. Uh, all right. So let's give our final thoughts on, um, anything you want to say about the show and the podcast and whatnot. So, uh, let's start with you, Kevin. What do you got? Anything you wanted to say last? I'm just glad I watched the show. I'm glad Phil introduced me to it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I follow Teresa Palmer. And and like her a lot because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have even known the show existed or even cared. Um, and then, um, 
it will uh, be something to uh, see her in this new movie that's coming out shortly uh, with her and the guy that uh, starred as Galaglass. Um, so I'll be checking that out. And that actually in the U.S. of A. I forget the name of the title, but it's going to be on the, the same station. What is it? The Twin. What? The, the twin. twin. The Twin. Gotcha. So uh, that's coming out on Shutter too, which is where Discovery Witches uh, was where we watched this show here. So um, I'll be checking that out as well. Uh, but yeah, the show was fun. Um, if you like urban fantasy, dark fantasy, uh, stuff like that, mystical realism, um, this this was a good show. Uh, let's go with you, uh, Bert. I want to first thank all of our listeners for listening to us. Um, we're sad that this is going away, and we we hope to hear from you on other podcasts that we do. Um, lastly, I love the show. I'll miss it, and I hope they have some spinoffs. All right. And uh, Sean, what do you got? Uh, so I would like to say, first off, thanks to you guys for letting me get to do season three reviews with you guys. It was really fun. I really enjoyed every episode and then getting to have our discussions from that. So thank you for that. Uh, you here. Uh, just it was a very enjoyable show and I'm gra- glad that uh, you guys got me to watch it because I may not have watched it otherwise. And, uh, the other thing is not related to the show specifically, but I just wanted to uh, send out my love and thoughts to our friends in Ukraine who are going through um, unimaginable horrors at this point. Yes. And uh, I hope that something positive can come from this. So. Indeed. Indeed. Well said. Um. All right. So, yeah, yeah. Because, again, you know, this is just a TV show. This is fun. This is entertainment. Uh, Just like everybody, whether they're in Ukraine prior to the unfortunate invasion um, or or not, um, people just want to live and, and, uh, you know, uh, have a job, uh, love their family, uh, have pets, uh, enjoy the places that they know, whether it's a forest or the lake at the end of the road that they visit during the summer or whatever, you know? So, um, there's obviously a lot more than, than, than just this, uh, podcast and show, but hopefully, um, everybody who listened to it, uh, got some enjoyment out of it because, um, being happy is important. So very, yes. Um, now, uh, for dark discussions, um, we, we we do have some podcasts. Uh, if you do like hearing some of us um, and want to keep on listening to our commentary, even if it's not on Discovery of Witches, uh, we do other podcasts that we're part of as well. Um, the main ones are the Dark Discussions podcast, which is a weekly podcast that discusses mostly genre films, uh, probably leans more to the horror film a genre, but we do other things too, like science fiction and fantasy and things of that nature too. Um, and then we have the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews podcast, which is very similar to the Dark Discussions podcast, but um, a lot of times we do uh, more obscure films or even art house films. So we do screeners of small films uh, to get the word out. Uh, a lot of times we go in blind, so 
we're, we'll be honest and just, you know, so we're not going to be saying, oh, so you got to see this film. I mean, if the film stinks, we'll say it stinks. Um, but then we do art house films and, and things like that, as well as interview some of the filmmakers on that podcast. Um, and then uh, what's, what's the podcast that we're going to be doing, Sean? Uh, basically, the first episode will probably be right around April 1st. Well, what's, what's going on? There's a new podcast joining the, uh, the be, Dark Discussions Network. We're going to be doing Halo based on the video game that is now getting its own live action series or, or animated series. I'm not sure. But anyways, we're going to get to follow that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, live action, actually. Um, but um, it, obviously, it's a completely different um, genre uh, than fantasy, but uh, or urban fantasy. But um, it'll be uh, at least myself, Sean, and Barrett that will be doing that podcast because uh, um, Kevin, you said you don't have um, Paramount Plus, and you 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 probably. Uh, I'm planning to get it, uh, but we do. We may also have co-host Mike from the Dark Discussions podcast join us, but uh, we'll we'll find that out. It depends on uh, his availability. But at least there's three of us from this podcast that will be talking weekly about Halo, um, the TV series. Um, so It'll be very I... different from what we've done in the last year and a half. I mean, it's. I feel like it's going to be very action sci-fi based. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at these last last TV series that we've done, um, they they've all been interesting in the sense that, like, for example, uh, Lovecraft Country, a travel guide to Lovecraft Country, was the name of the podcast we did. We did that was kind of dark fantasy, urban fantasy too. Even though when we went into it, we were assuming it was going to be horror, when it but it really wasn't. Um, and then we did the Undoing, and that was more of a thriller. And then we and that was called the Undoing a Therapy Session podcast. And then we did the Stand podcast, which was Don't Tell Me, I'll Tell You, the Stand podcast. And that obviously is a um, you know Stephen King uh, post-apocalypse type thing. And then we did the Nevers, which was of course punky, right? Steampunk. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> yeah, that was the that was Bodices and Corsets, the Nevers podcast, and uh, yeah, so that was like a steampunk type thing. And um, who knows if they're even going to come out with a season two on that? Uh, and it, I mean, we know they canceled Lovecraft Country, so and that showed um, what was higher profile. And and so yeah, I don't I don't know. We'll we'll figure that out. And then um, and then of course we did. A discovery of witches, demons, and vampires, which is urban fantasy. So the Halo one will be real, true sci-fi. You know, I mean, yeah. um, like, like space opera slash hard sci-fi mixed together. It'll, it'll be kind of interesting. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then down the road with the the Lord of the Rings one, some high fantasy. So that'll be fun. And then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the Game of Thrones one. Game of Thrones. So. We're gonna probably do that. Yeah. And then we're gonna. Oh, we're gonna do the She-Hulk when that comes out. So She-Hulk. We're be doing, yes. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna. That'll be a Marvel one, uh, or 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 superhero one, I should say. Uh, um. So so yeah. So we we have a uh, a wide range of um interests. Us the, these us podcasters here. So um. All right, so that's pretty much it. Uh, so we want to thank everybody 
thanks for listening again. Um, I know, Barrett, you already said that, and I did too. I don't know if Sean or, or Kevin, you guys had any further things to say to the listeners before we start wrapping up. Uh, just thanks for supporting us and giving us a chance to, to do this kind of stuff. So thank you for listening, and thank you to the, the people who are nice enough to send in the emails every week and give us information that gave us a better understanding of what we were watching and what was going on outside of what the show was telling us. So really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Thank you. Yep. Um, all right, Kevin, anything else you want to say? Nope. All right. Kevin's short and sweet. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Sean. Uh, the people who emailed, especially that was fantastic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of not emailing a lot of podcasts or even radio shows that I've listened to, you know, they, so they don't know I exist. And yet I listen to them continuously or I don't tweet to them or I don't Facebook them. I don't do anything. Um, but we know you're out there except, you know, because of numbers. But the handful of folks who do email in, um, that's that's just fantastic, um, especially uh, an extra Thank you to you. Um, all right. So pretty much that's it. So uh, Discovery Witches, Demons, and Vampires, the podcast is, is officially concluded. Uh, sorry we didn't have any interviews. Um, we did reach out to a few folk, including the producer, one of the producers of the show, and Deborah Harkness herself. They both seemed very interested, um, but due to conflicts, it just didn't work out. Uh, we didn't really pursue other people. Um, even though I know other podcasts that do the Book of Souls or, or whatever it's all called, um, got a lot of good folks on their podcast. But again, we, we only record once a week and, and we have other things in our life, including um, family and, and such that we, we would we just didn't want to have like five nights worth of interviews so be on every night having to interview people and then releasing episodes weekly after that uh so we apologize for that but um anyway uh that's pretty much it so uh all right barrett i guess oh and patreon oh yeah go ahead explain that john what's that what's that well no you explain it i always flip up the last couple of times there you barrett, go barrett. god no let sean do it He's got uh it. barrett i thought you were my friend <laughs> I am your friend. Uh, <laughs> you just do a good job of it. You're the one that remembers it. Uh, so the Patreon is a way for listeners who are enjoying all the hard work and time and money and effort that's put in to all of the podcasts across the Dark Discussions Empire. It's basically you can contribute for every $5 each month. You get to have a pick of a movie that you would like to hear reviewed that may not be reviewed on any of the other uh, feeds or podcasts. And depending on how many $5 donations you make each month, you get an extra movie pick. And at, uh, it's the quarterly, they do the drawing and uh, you get to have, you might be lucky enough to get your movie picked and have it reviewed by and given some awesome commentary. So and it's good to be able to support because Phil and everyone who's involved is doing it for free. And there's all kinds of costs that aren't always visible. So any money that can be contributed to help support the, the cause is awesome. In yep. the last two weeks, we've reviewed uh, Heather's and um, Rocky Horror, Horror Picture Lucky. Show. And uh, yeah, so 
they happen and people get to enjoy listening to what they wanted to hear. Yep, absolutely. And uh, both of those episodes have just been released. Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show was released like three weeks ago. And then just this past week, a week like three days ago, uh, we released Heather's. It's uh, already up. Episode 523 of Dark Discussions Podcast. So, um, but yeah, we're only asking when we don't, we don't uh, because we're, we're going to do it anyway. It's it's just if, you know, you, want, you have an uh, extra buck, you can always throw it out, but otherwise, no big deal. Um, all right. So I think we're good to go. So, uh, Barrett, why don't you lead us out? Thank you for joining us for the series finale of a discovery of witches, demons, and vampires podcast, and the finale of the discovery of witches show. Uh, look for us in future podcasts on Halloween boutique psychotronic reviews and an upcoming Halo yet to be named podcast um, starting in April. Mm-hmm.